0: You're listening to Nest Talk, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Now, here's your host, Christopher Linfont.
1: Ladies and gentlemen of the Ravens flock, my name is Christopher Linfont bringing you an emergency edition of the Nest Talk podcast here with Dominic, aka Ravens Anatomy, to break down the first round of the NFL Draft. Um, Dominic, how are you after this pretty insane first first round?
0: Um, kind of mixed feelings, but I'm pre- feeling pretty good.
1: Well, we we had a lot of excitement. There were a lot of things that happened. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Baltimore Ravens pick, uh, Patrick Queen, in a moment here. But I want to touch off with the first two picks. They were the most easy ones, the most obvious ones that were going to happen. We knew Joe Burrow was going to be at Cincinnati Bengals as soon as they were on the clock, although they took forever to get that pick in for some reason. Yeah, and then Chase Young, no-brainer to the Washington Redskins, although there was some talk that they were getting trade, uh, trade offers from other teams. But both those guys off the board, easy picks there. Um, and then, of course, though, after a few hours of waiting, the Ravens finally got to pick and it is Patrick Queen, the linebacker from LSU. This is the first time the Ravens have taken an LSU player since their inception in 1996. They've never taken anybody from LSU since that point. Um, And Dominic, what are your overall like knee jerk thoughts about picking Patrick Queen at 28?
0: Um, I think uh, it does definitely, uh, definitely fill a big hole in the Ravens defense. Um, I think it's someone that Wink is gonna have a fun time with. Um, although personally, uh, I was happy with no LSU uh, fans taken being an Alabama fan, but um, uh-huh. so I was rooting for Xavier McKinney. You know, number one player on um, Mel Kiper's board, uh, as it was showing at the bottom of the screen scrolling throughout, and I was really surprised he fell. But uh, hopefully they can make up a, a jump or something to get him because I think he's he's also a viable asset. Um, but uh Switching back to Queen, um, focusing on him, I think you know he does a lot of good things. Well, as um, I do give him credit for that. Uh, the one thing personally, I think is just his tackling is just like a little subpar. But um, like him reading the run, playing the zone, um, I think he's just a really good all-around uh, linebacker.
1: You know, I think the reading the run thing is going to be the biggest um, asset for Queen because if we look at the Baltimore Ravens' weaknesses on defense last year, it really stems. From tackling running backs, I mean, we saw it with Nick Chubb; they struggled. We saw it, especially with Derrick Henry. If we get in another situation like last year with Derrick Henry, we're, we we were would not be able to make, you know, tackles without somebody like Patrick Queen coming into it. But I was personally hoping for Kenneth Murray. I think that's pretty obvious from many of my comments on this yeah. podcast and other points. I I thought it was going to be Kenneth Murray if if he was going to be available. Um, but in in my mock, uh, my Ravens mock draft, I basically thought that both these players were not going to be available so I picked us to get Zach Bond but I I was hoping that at least one of these players would be available and I'm kind of surprised it was Patrick Queen I actually thought Queen would go before Murray but Murray would still go ahead of us Um, and when the Packers traded up in front of the Seahawks directly in front of us I thought for sure they were going to take Queen but we'll talk about what the Packers did in a moment here Um, are you at all surprised the Chargers went for Patrick Murray Um, Um, I believe they traded with New England to get him.
0: They did, yeah. And uh, I'm really surprised they traded back into the first round just to get a a player like Kenneth Murray. He is a really good leader from all the uh, reports and stuff. But um, it's not like a lot of people are kind of disregarding that inside linebacker position. And the Chargers, uh, they're very undersized at that position. I think the tallest player is like Denzel Perriman, and I think he's like six foot or something. So... um, you know, like, and I think you have a five eleven linebacker as well uh, over in the uh, over there uh, in LA. So I think I think um, it was very odd seeing them trade back in to get a player like him instead of like later on, you know, getting a tackle uh, first and then trading back in for a quarterback, how everybody suspect, suspected they would do. Um, but it's it's also very quite surprising they took uh, Justin Herbert as well at the sixth pick.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about Herbert in a moment here. I think the Chargers' big goal for this draft, it seems like, is find two pieces they could build the future around on, on both sides of the ball. Obviously, when you talk about a quarterback, he's going to be the biggest piece for the offense, but what do they always call the inside linebacker, the the quarterback of the defense? So they get that right. in Kenneth Murray. Um, I'm not surprised if, that if they were going to trade with somebody to get back into the first round, I'm not surprised it would be New England. New England, of course, doesn't really care if they have a first rounder or not. It, they're really looking for value more than anything and Bill Belichick kind of delaying the need of quarterback here um, while Jordan Love was still on the board. But heading back to to Patrick Queen for a moment here, um, I'm sure you all saw, since basically ESPN NFL uh, Network did the same broadcast this year, um, uh, Daniel Jeremiah was basically saying, since he worked for the Ravens, he thought that Patrick Queen played like a Raven, and obviously it looks like... um, our guys, Eric DeCosta, think the same thing. I think, as we talked about earlier, you know, the biggest asset's going to be that uh, run stuff ability, tracking down runners. And I think, you know, you mentioned his tackling abilities, and I think there is some criticism that's valid there. Um, but I think with the right coaching style and and Wink Martindale, who's a linebackers coach, you know, that's that his pedigree. Now? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's going to be able to fix up Patrick Murray's small deficiencies and kind of make him a better player. I think that's the overall goal for the Ravens. I just see the huge upside in, uh, not Patrick Murray, Patrick Queen at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I completely agree there.
1: All right, so now let's take a look at some of the other portions of this draft. Um, not a huge surprise that the Detroit Lions ended up taking Jeff Okuda at number three. Uh, I think when we did our mock draft with Nick, we mentioned that that was a possibility if we didn't take him, I don't remember. Um, the big surprise, though... Well, the first big surprise was the New York Giants taking Andrew Thomas, the tackle from Georgia, at four. Um, I expect them to take Simmons. I think we talked about this on our last podcast. Yeah. Some other people were saying other, other places on defense. And it ended up being a tackle. Kind of a lackluster pick there for the New York Giants, though. Um, but after we get the Giants pick, this is where things get interesting. Tua Tagovailoa goes to the miami dolphins there was some talk i want to get your opinion on this there was some talk that the dolphins were thinking about trading up with the detroit lions or one of those teams up there either them or the giants and taking andrew thomas the tackle Mm. was that like a smoke screen or do you think they actually were having these talks with the detroit lions before the draft
0: um i'm not sure about that but um i do know that uh that uh i i Personally, just trusted that they were going to take Tua because yeah. I don't know. It's just like it. I feel like it was a smokescreen, um, maybe to uh, you know um, scare the Chargers because that's like the second person or the um, you know second uh, team that would um, that would jump ahead of the Dolphins um, to take Tua if need be. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I kind of I kind of trusted that uh, the the Dolphins were going to take Tua. Um, all in all, so yeah.
1: I think. I think my theory on this is going to be that it was a smokescreen, as you say. Um, And I think they wanted to make sure the Giants would draft Andrew Thomas because, Mm -hmm. you know, if if they were thinking about trading up, then then they would have been able to get Thomas. And if the Giants were thinking about moving back or something, they wouldn't be able to get him. Um, So they, they wanted to make sure that they locked in the Giants with Thomas. Then Tua would be right there for him. And then Justin Herbert comes off the board. At number six for the Chargers, which is somewhat of a surprising move. I, I honestly didn't think they'd go with Herbert here. I thought that they were going to try to sign Cam Newton or something. Um, but it looks like they want to stick with that pocket passer offense that they had with Phillip Rivers here. And he's going to be the heir apparent. What do you think about the, the Justin Herbert drafts move here?
0: Personally, um, you know, coming from what the, ch- the Chargers were um from San Diego. Uh it is kind of in their blood to stick with that pocket passer um especially going from Philip Rivers now to Justin Herbert. But the thing is is Tyrod Taylor, he's more of like a uh, a mobile quarterback and he's right. going to move around the pocket to um to make the throw or you know to gain extra yards or whatever to put his team in that in that best position where Philip Rivers is going to direct traffic but while also moving in the pocket. So I think, you know, uh, it's going to be hard for uh, Herbert to understand from Tyrod, not having the necessarily uh, same um, play style, but um, I don't know. I think if they want tackle, maybe even traded back just to get Jalen Hurts and then just to, just for the fifth-year fifth option, but um, I mean, Herbert was a Heisman candidate uh, last year or the year before for a reason, so maybe they, uh, you know, like his—and his, his and he was very smart, apparently. He was like a four-point-plus student or something like that, so— jeez. Um, yeah, so maybe he, maybe they saw something that the, uh, the general public really didn't see.
1: Yeah, I've heard Herbert um, been compared to Mitchell Trubisky a little bit on some of the issues he has, but hopefully he'll have a different career path than Trubisky, who you know yeah. still can redeem himself at this point. The Bears did not trade up to get a quarterback. Uh, I don't think they had a first round pick at all. Um, no. You know, I I think the move's okay. Um, I would have liked to to have seen them move in a more mobile quarterback direction. Obviously, Tyrod Taylor has a completely different skill set than Justin Herbert. Um, but I guess it does leave the door open. If Herbert turns out to be a complete flop, at least they have some infrastructure there kind of to, to back him up and, and, and move on if they have to. Um, mm-hmm. And then the Panthers make a, a solid choice. Derek Brown, who a lot of people thought would maybe go in the top five, but he slides to seven. And then... I mean, I don't know how Isaiah Simmons fell to the Cardinals. I mean, he might be the most versatile defensive player we've seen in a very long time. He plays basically every position on defense, and he just fell into the Cardinals' lap. They didn't have to do anything to get him. Um, you know, when he was falling, I was kind of teasing on Twitter with some of my followers that maybe the Ravens should just move up to get him and, and you know, just get rid of their linebacker need at that point with Simmons. Um, but I think it worked out anyway for us. Yeah. Uh, how Do you think... Isaiah Simmons for the Cardinals is going to be a good fit.
0: Yeah, um, I think with Patrick Peterson, you know, uh, coming to the later age, I think next year or the year after that, the Cardinals can take a top tier corner uh, wherever their first year or, or first round selection may be. And then they got Byron Murphy on the other side, and I'm pretty sure he's pretty emerging, or maybe they even sign a free agent. Yeah. But um, I think that with Simmons being that linebacker safety slot corner hybrid kind of player, uh, even outside linebacker, that, um you know, he can really shift, uh, especially with the addition of Devon Kennard, who, um you know, rushes the passer well and drops in the zone, or Chandler Jones, who just strictly gets to the pass rusher. And then they got like a, a solid defensive uh, front there. So I think that <clears throat> with the addition of Simmons, I think it'd be a better defense for sure. And then uh, so we'll probably look in these uh, coming of rounds for the Cardinals to get something on that offensive line.
1: Yeah, I think they're definitely going to have Simmons as a building block for the future at this point. And and with Patrick Peterson there, I mean, they've already got some, you know, defensive pieces. Um, but Pat Pete is getting old and Simmons being able to play cornerback too. I mean, he plays cornerback, linebacker, safety, the outside linebacker, edge rusher, everything, really. Um, if Pat Pete, you know, isn't able to hold down the fort a little bit, he could fill in over there if somebody else is having an issue, he can fill in there too. Um, overall, I think It's just a fantastic pick for the Cardinals. They can't get much better value for number 8 there. Um, And then we have the Jacksonville Jaguars picking up C.J. Henderson out of Florida, so he stays in his home state. You know, it was also important that the Cardinals picked Isaiah Simmons when they did because we didn't want him to land with the Cleveland Browns. So the Cleveland Browns, instead of picking one of the best defensive players in this entire draft class, have to stick with tackle Jedrick Willis, who is very good in his own right, but he's not the transformative talent that Isaiah Simmons would be to that Cleveland Browns defense Definitely. to wreak havoc on the Ravens. Um, so then the Jets go Beckton, Becton, Louisville tackle, um, pretty much a freak of nature there. Mm-hmm. And then a pick that would make the late Al Davis extremely happy. The Las Vegas Raiders picked Henry Ruggs III, the fastest player, I think, in this entire draft class. Just fits that whole Raider mode, uh, mold over there.
0: Yeah. Um, so Henry Ruggs was you know, I watched him a lot out of Alabama with Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith. And um I I just recently um was just like scrolling through draft players on um on YouTube or whatever and just came across his story and um, you know, his he was playing basketball in high school, uh like, you know, on the team or whatever, and he had a best friend and his best friend was like, you know, uh go play for uh try out for football. So he tries football, he does really good at it and um you know he gets a few offers and unfortunately one day he's uh he's 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 sick uh, Henry Ruggs is sick and his friend you know they're supposed to go to a camp or something i, f- I forget whether but they're going somewhere so his friend is driving and uh, they get in an accident and he um he flies out the window and he goes into a coma and uh Henry Ruggs' friend um, he goes uh to the hospital and uh Henry Ruggs runs like 5 miles every day just to go see him and you know he he really really plays for him. So um, you know to to hear like the passion and and what he plays for and how hard he played at Alabama, it really showed. So um, I I think he's gonna be a really uh, good story there in uh, Las Vegas.
1: Yeah, they were mentioning some of that on the uh, ESPN show. I mean that that's honestly a tragic story to get to the NFL, but it just shows you like if you play with a passion and for someone you love, I mean you can do great things in their memory. Yeah, um, but. You know, football-wise, I think Henry Ruggs brings a new dimension to this Raiders offense. They're adding some speed. Um, And, look, they've got Josh Jacobs there, the running back, who rushed for 1,100 yards last year. But, you know, the Raiders didn't have a lot of weapons, so they couldn't, you know, move the ball downfield, except, you know, for a couple of the wideouts who weren't really going to be a huge deep threat there. So defenses would be able to stack the box against Jacobs, who, you know, still runs for 1,100 yards. But now that you can open the top, kind of like what Marquise Brown did for the Ravens, Opening the top, you have to move some of those safeties back. You can't stack the box against just uh, Josh Jacobs and these right. other running backs there. So you're going to have a much more dynamic Raiders offense. I think that's what they really wanted with Henry Ruggs. And, of course, you can't sleep on Marcus Mariota. He's he's a player there, too, and they might make some packages for him and show off his speed as well. Right. Um, and then we've got Tampa Bay picking up Tristan Wirfs. They jumped a spot with San Francisco. St- they must have been afraid San Francisco was going to trade with somebody else. Otherwise, you know, because San Francisco was not going to draft this tackle. But Tristan Wirf's coming in here uh, to protect their new quarterback, Tom Brady. Yep. Pretty good pick there. And then the 49 pick Javon Kinlaw. And then another one of your Alabama uh, receivers goes to the Denver Broncos, Jerry yeah. Judy. I think the best receiver overall in this draft class. Can you tell us a little bit as an Alabama fan about Jerry Judy?
0: Um, just a pristine route runner along with Mark Cooper uh, Someone try to compare like both of them. I think um, I wouldn't give either the edge, but I would say they're you know They're good in their own rights. I think Jerry um, uh, Ger- dude Ger- is a bit more faster a bit more fast, but um, I think especially in the Denver offense is just gonna kill um, with you know Cortland Sutton on the one side, and then Jerry Judy. They got the two uh, Philip Lindy and uh, Melvin Gordon in the backfield, along with Drew Lock. So I think as long as the offensive line stays healthy, um, and Noah Font, Noah fan as well. Yeah. Uh, as as long as the offensive line stays healthy, I think they're you know they're gonna they're gonna do really well. So, <clears throat> um, I think the Broncos are gonna uh, they they might might make some sort of run uh, this year uh, offensively, yeah. but um. I don't know. I, I really like that pick, and I'm really happy for Jerry. So I'm for sure going to start watching a bit more uh, Broncos games, definitely.
1: You mentioned that offense. That's going to be the one to watch this season. They have an emerging quarterback at Drew Locke who impressed when he was on the field last year. Of course, he was injured for most of the year before he got on uh, late in the season off the IR. But they've got Courtland Sutton, Jerry Judy now, uh, Philip Lindsay, and, and um, Melvin Gordon, as you mentioned, and Noah Fant. So he's got weapons galore. All of, um, all of those guys they, are
0: very young, too. Yeah,
1: they have the potential to be one of the most explosive offenses in 2020, assuming there's a 2020 season. Um, But, you know, being the most explosive offense coming up here. Uh, Then the Falcons take A.J. Terrell, a pick that a lot of people think uh, they kind of reached for, especially with some of these other players on the board, like Colvon Chasen, and then the Cowboys pick, Ceedee Lamb. And honestly, Mm. how... How did this happen? How did CeeDee Lamb get to 17? That's my big question here. Jerry Jones, who looked like he... I think he was on his yacht, actually, you know, hiding from coronavirus on his yacht. And there were reports that he was going to be completely alone making this pick. So everyone was, like, wondering, like, is he just going to pick, like, um, Jalen Hurts out of the blue here? But no, he goes with CeeDee Lamb. Probably the easiest pick he's ever made. Um, In my opinion, the second best receiver in this draft class. Um, Do you have any thoughts about CeeDee?
0: CD, um just a great receiver. Um personally, uh again, just a quick little Alabama bias. Just had him under uh Jerry. They were both equally productive. Understandable. Um but um it was just, you know, Jerry produced also while having two other players, uh That's first true. two other first round wide receivers and a first round running back and a first round quarterback, you know, so uh along with him. So um it was just a, a bit more um uh you know talent surrounding Judy. Um, but I see there's nothing to take away from CD. Uh, he's just Absolutely one of those like now. once, once in a lifetime along with Jerry Judy, once in a lifetime talents. That's just not like a one trick, you know, he's, he can beat you deep. He can run after they catch. He can possess like he does it all. So I think, um, it was a just phenomenal steal and I was not suspecting the Cowboys to make that pick at all. Um, I honestly, I could have saw the uh, Ravens trade up. Like DaCosta was yeah. saying, um, something uh, a little bit after the draft that he was like, you know, we we explored uh, trading up, but um, you know, we we saw what we liked at twenty eight, and we just went with it. So,
1: well, you know, Decosta even before the draft was saying they were looking at trading, just period, trading down, trading up. There was a lot of options for the Ravens on the table, but once we we saw C.D. Lamb start to drop, uh, a lot of Ravens Twitter was starting to think. You know, if if he's dropping like this, we might just want to trade up and grab him, maybe with the Falcons, maybe with the 49ers. Right. Um, and I, I'm sure that Eric DaCosta had that conversation, but I would imagine the price they were asking for it was just too much for the Ravens. Um But it would have been really something to see CeeDee Lamb reunited with Marquise Brown, of course, their former teammates at Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, but honestly, though, I think it would have been more of a luxury to have CeeDee Lamb at this point because I still think the wide receiver core before... Us getting uh, Patrick Queen, our wide receiver core, was better than our inside linebacker's core. Now we can make the arguments a little different now that we have Queen, but I still think that was the biggest need, and the Ravens ended up addressing that. Yeah. Um, then the, the Dolphins get protection for Tua, who desperately needs it with all his injury history, getting Austin Jackson the tackle out of USC. Um, the Raiders picking up cornerback Damon Arnett from Ohio mm. State. The Jaguars snagging Clavon Chasen, who probably should have went a little earlier, um, but I like the move. A lot of people thought that they might try to take a quarterback in this class, so once they got to pick 20, the option for Jordan Love was on the board, but Jacksonville looks like they're sticking with Gardner Minshew, which I think is the correct decision for the time being. He played well enough last year, in my opinion, um, to keep his starting job. Do you agree with me there?
0: Uh yeah, definitely. Um, uh, there is also later quarterbacks in the later rounds. Anthony Gordon, yeah. also from Washington State, um, uh, um, the quarterback from Washington, Jacob Eason, Jacob Eason um, he's yeah. there, and uh, Steven Montez, uh, from Colorado. So like, there's um other players that fit uh Gardner menchu's play style, more of like in the in the pocket, but when he needs to scramble, he'll you know put turn the jets on or whatever. So. Um, I think there's a lot of options, especially in the later rounds. Um, I don't see Jalen Hurts fitting in the Jaguar scheme, but I mean, if they want to take him and develop him along with Minshew, um, then they could be, you know, some w- whatever they want it to be in the offensive scheme. But I think that um, there's plenty of options later in the uh, in the rounds for them to, uh, you know, explore a different pick at at pick 20 and and stick with Minshew.
1: Yeah, I don't think um, Jalen Hurst would necessarily fit their scheme at all, but I do like Jacob Beeson a lot as a prospect. I think he has a, a huge upside. Um, and if the Jacksonville Jaguars were to take him and kind of make a quarterback controversy down there in, in Florida, you know, it wouldn't be the worst decision. But I think overall, uh, Gardner Minshew is going to be the starter next year. At least for next year. Things could happen much uh, later down the line there. And then there's a pick that boggles my mind. I don't know what Harry How- Roseman was doing here. Instead of choosing Justin Jefferson, who in my opinion was the, the best wide receiver on the board at this point, they chose Jalen Rieger, mm. who I did not think would go in the first round. And that's also ahead of Brandon Ayuk, okay? Yeah. Um, I honestly do don't know why the Eagles decided to take Rieger. They must have been in love with him, okay?
0: Yeah, it has to be.
1: Um, there has to be something there. I know a lot of Eagles fans are probably upset about this. Um, silver, silver lining is I guess they really like him and they see something in him, but um, honestly, I just think Justin Jefferson would have been the best pick here. Even Brandon Ayuk I could have seen being picked ahead of Jefferson, but not Jalen Rieger. I don't think I had him going in the mock, my mock draft until late in the second or maybe even early in the third round. So I think this is a huge reach for the Eagles here.
0: Yeah, um I didn't personally like uh Rager. It kinda reminds me of a the Nelson Aguilar pick where he's just mm. very um he's very quick and uh he has return potential but he I I'm not really familiar with his uh his catch percentage but I was reading something that was like, you know, talking about his catch it or him catching the ball and how he doesn't have the surest of hands. So hopefully it's not a repeat for um you know Nelson Aguilar situation. But uh um I I guess hopefully he can just develop in the Eagles scheme and along with Carson Wentz. Um but they did need a receiver. I do believe that Justin Jefferson at the time was the best pick. Um, like you said, or T. Higgins even. Um I Yeah, seen, T.
1: Higgins is still on the board.
0: He could have seen um being good with that offense, but um you know, they ultimately chose Rager, and hopefully he can just develop with the uh, with Carson and an offensive uh, Eagles offense.
1: Yeah, you know, if they have a repeat of Nelson Aguilar, that would be uh, devastating for the Eagles there. Um But you're right, T. Higgins also on the board. I'm somewhat surprised he didn't go in the first round, but also not at the same time. I think when I did my draft review of him, I said that he'd basically be, in my opinion, a second-round talent. So I guess a lot of GMs thought that at the same time. Um, But I think T. Higgins would still have been a better pick than Jalen Rieger. Nothing against Rieger. I just don't think the value is there for him at pick 21. And then the Vikings, who probably thought Justin Jefferson would go to the Eagles, especially considering the Eagles supposedly had talks with Jefferson – Um, throughout this process just pick him up off the blue there um that was an easy selection for them and then of course the Chargers take Kenneth Murray ruining a lot of our dreams in the Ravens flock and then we had the New Orleans Saints picking Cesar Ruiz which I think is a slight reach I thought he would go uh late like really late first like the 30s or early second round but Mm -hmm. you know the Saints need protection for Drew Brees this is his final year there's no way he plays another year um and I guess adding this protection it was pretty much the priority number one there. And everything else was gonna be a luxury. Um But yeah, there there was also talk that they might try to take a wide receiver though. Uh do you like the Caesar Ruiz pick for New Orleans?
0: Yeah, like as I said in the um in the in in the mock draft uh episode, uh, you know, if your guy is there, you gotta take him. Especially if yeah. it's a uh, to protect uh, Drew Brees. Um I, I you c I could have seen even um um Jordan Love go here um at uh, twenty four. Yeah. But um you know ultimately you want to win now, especially with Drew Brees only having like a year or two left on this contract. I think uh Cesar Ruiz was the best choice, especially um with like the needs they have and they can it's a very deep receiver class as we all know. So I think they can um they can make them think some things happen, especially with the limited um, amount of like holes they have on their defense and offense alike. So
1: yeah, you know they don't have a lot of needs as a team overall. So I think you know it just probably made the best, um, it was the best decision for them at this point. But you know the Jordan Love issue here, you know replacing Drew Brees is going to be very difficult. Getting a head start on a quarterback would have made a lot of sense. But you know there are quarterbacks like Jacob Eason, um, if they wanted to move to a more mobile direction, like Jalen Hurst, still available in the second round. Um, so it should be interesting to see if the Saints bite on a quarterback tomorrow night. And then we've got the San Francisco 49ers picking Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. And then the pick that pretty much, I think, is the most insane one of the night. The Green Bay Packers jumped ahead of the Seattle Seahawks Mm -hmm. and the Baltimore Ravens who are trailing at 28 there. And basically everyone thought this was going to be Patrick Queen and that we were going to be screwed at this point. But it was not Patrick Queen. It was Jordan Love, the quarterback from Utah State the Green Bay Packers basically did to Aaron Rodgers what they did to Brett Favre with Aaron Rodgers, drafting right. his successor of like two, three years before he's even going to be needed. Um, so everything is coming full circle here with the Packers. you know. And when you look at the way um, uh, Aaron Rodgers played last year, you know it wasn't like he was dropping in production. He had 4,000 yards. I think he had like 24, or 28 touchdowns and like mm-hmm. two or four interceptions. Pretty good numbers, you know, not the best numbers in, in total touchdowns, but the the ratio there is still there. Um, but the most
0: important thing is he took him to the NFC Championship, and, too. Yes, the NFC so.
1: Championship. And yeah, plus they have so. Aaron Jones as the running back. Aaron Rodgers usually doesn't have a running back who does very well like that. Right. So they're taking pressure off of him. But he's, I think, still in the prime of his career here, and they are basically giving him the heir apparent to deal with. Now, we've seen in recent years... Quarterbacks that, that are drafted as era parents replace the um, sitting quarterback within, like, a year. So Alex Smith getting replaced by Patrick Mahomes in a year. Joe Flacco getting replaced by Lamar Jackson that year. Right. This situation doesn't feel like that, though. If the Packers are going to do anything, it's going to be the same exact thing they did to Brett Favre. Kind of just wait it out. Yeah,
0: because, I, I mean, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, he hasn't played as long. Um Aaron Rodgers hasn't because he sat for three years in, in the beginning of his career, but you know, he is 36 years old. So at some point they're He's not going to be like Tom Brady playing until he's 42. He probably won't even be like your Brees playing t- to his, him being 40. So they're going to have to deal with that soon. And the green Bay Packers, instead of kicking the can down the road, just said, you know what? Screw it. Let's deal with it. Now. Um, yeah. do you, do you believe this was the right move? Because I thought Jordan Love was really a second-round talent, to be quite honest with you.
0: I think the, what they're going for is, you know, they're looking at Patrick Mahomes and they're looking at Aaron Rodgers and seeing similarities with both of those combined and seeing uh, Jordan Love in in a sense. So I think they are really, and if you, even if you look back to Brett Favre, it, it really does show, like, Patrick Mahomes like does have very uh, similar, like, you know, throws and gunslinger mentality yeah. to Brett Favre so I think um uh, it's it's kind of like a more classic feel uh than bringing uh Jordan Levin I don't think he is going to play um very often uh especially within the two years you know how you were saying two to three years so I think you know he is really going to just sit back and learn and it, he's going and fill out uh that um backup role but i think he's gonna do it well um i think he's gonna you know absorb a lot of information uh really work and um i think i think it's gonna continue the packers you know uh dominance not man on dominance but um uh, aggressiveness uh and um and fair play throughout the years so
1: yeah um and then after jordan love which honest which has to be you know the most insane move of the night. The Seattle Seahawks make a reach for Jordan Brooks. This is a huge Oof. reach. Um Oof. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I uh, Where do I tw- you where were
1: you placing him, like on, on your draft board? Like what round were you thinking?
0: Um, you know, I'm not a professional as I like to say, but huh. to me it was just he was not uh he really wasn't up there. He was behind Willie Gay, he was behind um Akeem Davis Gaither, he was behind Kenneth Murray and Queen as well. So um and I really do believe that I have a friend that's a Seahawks fan, and all he talks about is just like we need an O line, and we need an O line. And when you hear yeah. people say like, "Oh, um, what what kind of pick you want in the draft? I want to you know, the a safety, a DB, a, a wide receiver, a running back, a quarterback, a, anything but an O line. Literally, even a defensive line over O line, linebacker as well. So, um, it's really rare, and I I believe a lot of Seahawks. Uh, players, or I mean, fans do feel like they really just want O linemen. Like, that's all they're asking for. And they're really not even getting it. Like, no, n- no, uh, no years they're getting it. So it's really, but it is really interesting to see that they might be drafting Bobby Wagner's successor already. Um, uh, someone compared, I saw on Twitter, someone was like, oh, I compared him to Bobby Wagner. Whether that's true or not, I'm not sure. But, you know, it's, it's an interesting comparison because they do look, Pretty similar, um, stature wise. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the Seahawks have in store. If they're going, maybe they switch up their scheme because, um, you know, they they don't really want to bring Jadavian Clay, uh, Jadavian Clowney back, and they uh, switch more to a, uh, you know, two middle linebacker, two outside linebacker with three down linemen, like three four. But I'm not yeah. sure. We'll see.
1: Yeah, you know. Obviously, they need some offensive linemen. That's been an issue up there for a long time. And you know, when the, if the fans are clamoring for an offensive lineman, then the need has to be there because fans yeah. never clamor for offensive linemen. Um, but, you know, I'm no professional either, but I had Jordan Brooks mock to the Ravens actually in the third round, pick one of six. So I, I am not a fan of this reach at all. Uh, but then, of course, the Ravens picked Patrick Queen, which I think was an overall win for Eric DaCosta um and then to kind of close out the first round here we had isaiah wilson tackle from georgia going to the tennessee titans protecting their new quarterback uh ryan Tannehill, who obviously had a great season last year but they need to keep him upright um and block for derrick henry of course then the miami dolphins doubling down on names that are hard to pronounce Um, igbino igbohagany thank you so much yeah i can't believe goodell nailed that too like first try he nailed that name Um, And then we have the Minnesota Vikings picking up Jeff Gladney, cornerback from TCU. And then the Kansas City Chiefs closed out the night by drafting Clyde Edwards-Alaire from LSU. So we went LSU-LSU bookends there, first pick overall and last pick in the first round. You know, I was somewhat shocked that if they're going to draft a running back, it wouldn't be DeAndre Swift, but I know Clyde Edwards-Alaire is more of a pass-catching running back. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a lot of that in his pedigree, so I guess the Chiefs want to have, you know, I wouldn't call it a run game, more of like a screen game with him that they can use Pat Mahomes for just dumping it down and kind of, you know, confusing defenses to what they're actually going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but but do you think this was the right pick over DeAndre Swift at that point?
0: Um, Yeah, like, so I mocked, J. K. Dobbins to um you know, in our little mock draft I, I am yeah. mocked J. K. Dobbins. And um it might not not have been the um ideal pick for whoever, but um I think it was just it was just more of like a one two punch with Damian Williams. But when you look at when you watch Clyde Edwards Hilaire play, it's really similar to Damian Williams as like the screen game and you know, just those 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 yards that just add up, add up. Um so I think it's like a really um similar Pick to um, Damian Williams. So I think they're both just going to, you know, share reps. And I think, uh, I think that was, it was a good pick, though. It was definitely a good pick.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see what they're trying to do with it. Um, you know, but speaking of, of J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift here, we have a lot of great names available for the Ravens and every other team tomorrow night. Now, tomorrow night is going to be rounds two and three. So there's about 64 picks there. Um, and the Ravens will have two picks in the second round and then i think just one pick i'm sorry two, two. picks in the third two. round as well yeah so they're picking at 55 and 60 in the second round and 92 and 106 in the third round um who are some of the players you would like the ravens to take a look at in in rounds 2 and 3
0: so i'm going to kind of go by order maybe of like uh who you know is going to sure. be available and um i don't see um i don't see maybe uh T Higgins or you know a top top name uh any of the in any of the uh, specific um uh positions we necessarily need but I see maybe a um Robert Hunt the inside li- uh lineman from the um I forget Louisiana Tech I'm not even sure but um or left yeah I, I don't even know but um I see Robert Hunt like so maybe an inside linebacker or inside lineman for our fifty-fifth pick, maybe our sixty. Louisiana, pick. by
1: the way, Robert Hunt's from Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah. yeah,
0: and then, um, and then at our sixtieth pick, maybe an Ed rusher, Curtis Weaver, uh, Gross Matos. if he's still there, possibly. I'm not sure. Um, and oof, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe an Ed rusher, a, a um, Torrell Lewis, maybe if he's available, yeah. or Rick Juan Davis, D, uh, interior D lineman. Um, and then uh, I'm not sure, but uh, and then. And our later round is probably a receiver. So,
1: Yeah, you know, the Ravens are picking um, somewhere like mid to late with, with 55 and 60 in, in the second round here. Um, so a lot of these names won't be available for us. But, I, you know, some of these really good pass rushers are still on the board, and that's going to be one of our big needs in this draft class to pair with Judon, assuming we still keep Judon. Uh, you know, it's a done deal for now, but you never know what happens there. But we have, you know, A.J. Epinesa Yit- Yitrigras Matos, Zach Bond, who I thought would be our pick tonight, assuming Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray weren't going to be there, uh, I you know I'd be okay if we pick somebody um, like maybe Rush, uh, Ross Blacklock mm-hmm. or even Trevon Diggs from Alabama. I know we ha- we're a stronger cornerback, um, but even, just adding in guys that can maybe replace Jimmy Smith later on if we're just going to pad some some spaces there. Um, but you know I could totally see us addressing wide receiver too. Yeah, And, you know, a guy like Denzel Mims could be be available. He's someone that, you know, a lot of people thought would go in the first round. Um, t. Higg- there's no way T. Higgins is going to be available at 55. I'm, I'm t- telling you that right now. Uh, but Michael Pittman Jr. is a lot of guy Ravens, play- uh, Ravens fans are looking for. Um, he is out of uh, USC, USC. So yeah. there's a lot of good players still on this board. Um, I'd really look for the Ravens to either just edge rusher or wide receiver tomorrow. I think that's going to be yeah. those two positions are going to be the ones that we're going to look for. Um, but of course, we have four picks. So as long as we address those two positions, we could pick anything else after that. Right. Any chance the Ravens make a run at Jalen Hurts? I have to ask the question.
0: Oof, um, I'm not sure. You know, um, I think it'd be maybe something. I-, I don't know how smart it would be. Um, yeah. I guess if he's there, yeah. you know, I doubt it. But the third yeah, round, even the first pick of the third round. It would be something to take a shot at, but you know, with RG three, and it looks like there's no plan to move him so far. But we're only the first day in the draft, and then Trace McSorley is there as well. So um, it's going to be interesting to see, yeah, um, where he is,
1: where everybody goes tomorrow. You know, the NFL draft. A lot of people only tune in for night one, but things get even more interesting night two. Um, So thank you everybody for listening to this emergency edition of the Nest Talk podcast here with Dominic. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow night recording another podcast. So this will be available Friday morning. Um, now hopefully it, it's not as long. I feel like the first round tonight was a little longer than normal. Hopefully they don't take forever tomorrow night. Cause I really don't feel like staying up to three in the morning to watch the final pick. Um, but if they do, we w- if they still do that, we will have to do that. Um, but again, tune in tomorrow for the next emergency episode. Um, and we'll do these emergency episodes throughout the draft here, all three days. And then, of course, we even have to deal with undrafted free agents at some point, which is going to be a whole other thing. But what well, we'll do a, um, just like last year, we're going to do a, a tracker for that on the website. So stay tuned for that as well. Dominic, thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll Appreciate see you again it. tomorrow, right?
0: Yep, for sure.
1: All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this emergency edition of the Nest Talk podcast. We will see you again tomorrow. Take care, everyone. All right.